it's time to talk music, audio gear, and anything else that crosses our minds. I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. And welcome to the Hareton Audio Podcast. So, Peter, you've been listening to a brand new album by a band we're not that familiar with. Do you want to tell us about it? Yes. Um, since I was listening to a band like Boys Like Girls, a band called The Main kept being suggested on Spotify. And normally I ignore whatever Spotify suggests because... Like I've heard some people say, you don't want what you listen to to be dictated to you by an algorithm, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and you want to find it on your own sort of like... Yeah. Well, sometimes you do. Sometimes you want to be like, well, I, I found that my way and it came to me naturally and yeah. not it was suggested to me in my feed or whatever. So anyway, I just I just thought on one of the days, I was like, I need something new. I'm going to just try and listen to this album. I did not realise this album had come out on the day that I did that, because it was on the 1st of August. It's the main's brand new self-titled release from 2023. And uh, I just listened through it, and I was like, oh, this is actually really, really cool. Like One of the standout tracks to me was How to Exit a Room. And it was just, it was like alt-rock it was refreshing. It didn't sound like it sounded familiar, but not so um, homogenized or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so stereotypical that it put me off because that's something that does put me off when I listen to new music. If it sounds too like obvious, I'm like, eh, it needs to have something that jumps out. You also have that like industry plant mentality. I think. Yeah. Um, like a lot of people say, like when something's too, it's if it's too clean, like squeaky clean, you go, yeah, is that an industry plant? And, and I think it's not necessarily even to do because this album is a very well produced, good sounding album, but it's more the arrangements and song structures are slightly unusual. Yeah. So like, you know, this, like say, blame is very very fast verses, and then goes into like a half time feel yeah after yeah. that and, and stuff like that that you sort of don't often get with the i'm trying to think about what you would call this i want to say alt rock but it could be like let's let's see you see the thing is with some of these bands is this is like um like where indie from the uk has hit america and then this is like the americans reaction of that type of music and yeah. then it's like it, obviously, it's not the same because America and England are just so different. Like when I've always found when Americans try to do like um, sort of like indie music, you get the Killers, don't you? You which get is not. bands like the Killers, which is you know, it's, it's you can sort of argue it's in that sort of pocket, but it it just does not come across the same way. No, I think that's why the Killers are like an arena band, and so many of the bands. Obviously, some of the bands like uh, you know Kaiser Chiefs, Snow Patrol, all that. I mean, yeah. Coldplay, obviously. Coldplay. They are they indie were, They're, they're huge. That. You know, it just depends on how they carry themselves. And I suppose a lot of the bands, they stay big if they don't have a break, but then the Killers still had like four years where they did nothing and they're still popular anyway. <laughs> but um, So they, they describe themselves as um, pop alternative, rock, emo, and every style in between, which is, that is the standard, I feel like. But then obviously they talk about being on alt rock radio which sort of answers the question for them yeah well i think a lot of the bands like if you're not distinctively right they're sort of like if you're if you're say a, a rock band right you've got to choose like are you doing like the heavy rock and if you're not doing the heavy rock right you're doing like the lighter side you do end up just being branded alt regardless of what you're doing because it's if true. you're not 
doing like chuggy riffs or like hair metal style stuff, if you're not melodic rock and you're not punk, you're sort of in between. If you're like singer songwriter, but you've got guitars at the forefront in like your band, if you're not rocking massive guitar solos, it's like, well, they're alt rock. I feel <laughs> do, do like, you know I mean? like for me, alt rock is the genre where the studio is the most important instrument. Yeah. Because I feel like in all of the alt rock tracks you hear and the bands that have progressed into alt rock, it's more, it's all the instrumentation is less defined and the production is normally more in your face. Yeah. It's a lot of distorted vocals. It's a lot of, a lot of alt rock bands use chops, like vocal chops. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's just one of those things where that's sort of, that's, that goes hand in hand. I mean, if you want to be roots rock, you are going to not be doing stuff like that. And it's going to de facto put you into like a blues or root or whatever. Revival sort of class. Yeah. Yeah. yeah or rock revival, old school revival thing. Whereas when you actually want to use the studio as a tool and get a bit crazy with it, that sort of pushes you. It makes the decision again for you. Like I think about Imagine Dragons, they're one of the biggest alt rock bands from the 2010s yeah, yeah. and their use of the studio is incredible isn't it like they just push as far as they can yeah, in every yeah. album it's all it's all like uh interesting studio production they're playing with your expectations uh things that sound like guitars are actually vocals you know like on thunder yeah. things that sound like synths are guitars yeah you know it's it, it's like you're not quite sure unless you actually see the band playing it like you're not entirely sure what's being done where and who in the band is doing what yeah that's the other thing with bands like imagine dragons so yeah the the thing with the main right is is how to exit a room is just been stuck in our heads like for the last week or so and that's why we wanted to talk about it um it's just got a really catchy sort of element to it where it's like would you say, Peter, it's like somewhere between like a little bit, a little bit like you two in places, a little bit like obviously that, that full group of bands like the Killers and stuff in places. And then there's like, there's like an arena feel to it, but it's like very intimate at the same time. You feel like you're screaming right at your face. I feel um, like it is very much like the Killers. Like if the, if the, I could imagine the Killers doing the song, even though it does sound different to what the killers do i can imagine a different it, delivery to what brandon flowers would yeah would well go it, for, it yeah. would sound very different if he sang it for sure yeah but the overall feel of the song is like i could imagine if the killers wanted to pivot their sound from the americana thing back to a more modern sound yes this yeah. is probably where the killers would end up again because it's a it's reminiscent of like wonderful wonderful for me yeah so you mean like album. um like if they kept going in the direction of say run for cover and not yeah. so much uh, the man and the other sort of things I've been doing. No, no, I think the man's the, man's, the man is in there. Yeah, because they're both on that. Anything album, on wonderful, wonderful. It's more to do with like um, pressure machine and stuff like that, where Ooh, they've, okay, they've yeah, gone yeah. the opposite way. They've gone more Americana, more rootsy, yeah, 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 more organic, with less of a production focus. Whereas the entire wonderful, wonderful was so production focused. Yeah, the songs were bizarre and interesting in that sense, and also I think. Maybe watching the music videos give me a small bit of bias, but it has that desert rock. Yeah, well, he is in the, the video. He's, he's on a horse in the desert, and that's the video, isn't it? Basically, yeah. For how to exit a room, which is funny because you know, I suppose he didn't. Uh, did he start in a room in the video? I can't remember. I just remember him being in the desert. So I think he I have gets to rewatch it into a room, or maybe he doesn't. 
Yeah, yeah there's that's, the that's why it's down funny. on the pavement bit, but yeah. Yeah, but how how do you exit a room if you're not in one to begin with? Well, it's more a cautionary tale of how I'll show you how to exit a room. Yeah, but uh, the, the video is quite good for yeah. it as well. And um, like you say, obviously, whenever you watch a video for a song, it does impart a certain sort of thing, right? If you're, if you're thinking, well, this song has like a... You know, like it has like a dry, deserty sort of feel, or like a lonely feel. And you watched video, and they are in the desert by themselves, just the singer in the video. Um, that's the video. It does impart a little bit onto what you think of a song. It's like to say, like, um, oh, what what was the thing? Don't have somebody explain what the song means. Oh yes, because then it will forever change it, your if, perception. Yeah, yeah, if somebody says, "Well, this song is about this," and you was you was thinking, "Well, I thought this song was about this," I, it then you that it then corrects what you think, and that's the thing with a lot of music is that you internally process it how you process it. But then, if the say like one of your favorite bands says, "Well, actually, it's not about this thing that's rumored to be about. It's about this," then you go, "Huh." Oh, so it's not about what I thought it was about. And then it changes your perception of the song. One of the best and probably most well-known examples of this is Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, where Freddie Mercury would never say it. He never actually described the message was of about. the song, the actual narrative. He said, it's all there in the words, just work it out. And, you know, there'd be flippant remarks like it's all rubbish and then flippant remarks like it's not. But there would he, would, he never actually clarified the main message of the song. Which then in a lot of ways, keeps the song special to a lot of people because it's not been ruined. Nobody's sort of stepped in from, say, the Queen team and gone, well, this is what it was actually about. And then that sort of, it ruins the mystery it of can. the song. And mystery is important. It's like when you're watching a great show. A myst- if you're watching a mystery thriller movie, the second time it might not be as good. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you know you, you know what's going to happen and you get it. Whereas there's something, I think there's a romanticism about just... Uh, open-ended story or or open-ended like discussion where you're not really sure what the result is i think that's why people like suspense so much yeah because if you can interpret your own view of the end of the story then yeah you can keep wondering you can keep thinking about it but if they're like right main character's dead end of story you go well there's not really anything to think about, is there? You've seen it, yeah. you know. It, it puts it into your imagination what could happen. And so that can be. If if the alternative is, say, like, them just killing everybody in a narrative, yeah. I think it's much more rewarding to be like, well, they're just going to go off and do this. Yeah. And we'll see what happens if we yeah. decide to make another film in 20 years' time or whatever. Yeah. So, talking about imagination and discovery, right? There is a lot of trials and tribulations on just discovering new music. I find a lot of music fans have their guards up. They only want to discover something if they want to discover it. You can shove a song down their face, they won't go for it. And this is the reason why a lot of people hear pop music all the time, but but a lot of people don't like it. A lot of people are very vocal that they don't listen to the tunes on the radio. They don't listen to the top 40, despite the fact that they're popular. And this is like, this has been a mindset for music fans from very early on, hasn't it? From like almost the dawn of music, really. Probably, yeah. It's just that hipster mentality. Yeah, you know, That's obviously... That's probably that, that word has yeah. changed through time, but the idea of not liking 
what everybody else likes. It's almost like, like a trump card, like saying, well, I'm better than you because you know this surface level stuff. I know the real stuff. It That's- tends to be rooted around not liking something new as well because it's like the 70s rock bands when, and 70s rock fans when they brought synthesizers out and it was like, well, I'm not listening to rock music with synthesizers. Synthesizers don't belong in rock music. And it's sort of that attitude, but still now, a lot of people, they argue that pop music is soulless, overproduced. You know, you see it all the time. And it's not necessarily the case, but, you know, then again, it's hard to change somebody's opinion once they've made it. So I think it also comes back to this thing that in the 1970s, a new band was a band that came out in the 1970s, probably yeah. within the year or so. Yeah, yeah. Now, it feels like a new band is a band that started after the year 2000. It's like you're listening to these new bands and they're, you know, they've been going 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And it's not necessarily that they are new bands, but because the passage of recorded music has gotten so much larger, like, people still regard Led Zeppelin and the Beatles as just, like, basically just happening in their heads. They're like, well, yeah, the Beatles only just happened. And we all know that that's not factually correct, but that's how people feel sometimes. Yeah, because I think, as well, when you think about, say, the dawn of popular music, if if you're talking about as early doors as you want. Like, I'm talking about consumerism-based popular music where you could actually go out and buy a record. We're talking maybe 40s earliest, 50s is when it was mainstream, when you could actually go out with your pocket money and buy a vinyl, right? That's when music fans sort of began because obviously it wasn't accessible. They only had, like, wire recordings. Uh, Occasionally, like, uh, a lot of the blues guys would get, like, a a really cheap, like, 78 uh, or whatever made. So it's one of those things where... Basically, 50s is where music begins as like an industry, right? As a commodity. As a commodity. With the sale the sale of music. Yeah. As opposed to the performance of music, because that's the real difference. Yeah. So you think, right, from, from 50s, you have the Beatles in the 60s, all the rock bands in the 70s, right? And then it's like 50 years. So they're like pretty much, from people's perspective now, they're practically at the beginning. Yeah, the dawn of music. The dawn of basically. music. As far as a lot of people now... Like, if you're 15, right, you're not thinking about what happened, like, last century. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it seems like a long time ago. Yeah. And you're just going to look... I mean, it's like they say, in in the late 70s or mid-70s, there was calling Genesis dinosaurs, wasn't yeah, there? The punk exactly. bands. And the Genesis has only been around for, like, five or six years. Yeah. Whereas you don't... The people don't do that very I often. I feel like now. a lot of the bands at the moment has have to be going for, like, 10 or so years just to make some sort of impression. Yeah, like there's 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 cases where they come out swinging. Uh, obviously, in pop, you have people like Ice Spice and Olivia Rodrigo where they come out swinging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like a lot of music that is popular and a lot of music that isn't popular but that's successful um, are by these slow burning artists. Yeah, I mean, like Imagine Dragons. Obviously, they they had three EPs before they got signed properly, and you see this an awful lot with. Uh, a lot of people like Ava Max as well. She was self-released all the way to the run-up to when she was already famous but and then she got signed. Just to use Imagine Dragons and say bands like 1975, when you are talking to somebody, everybody's like, who? Who? Who are they? Yeah, and yeah. say like in 2017, Imagine Dragons had like a bunch of hits out, Evolvers out. It's yeah. a massive album, probably one of the albums of that year. And people are like, I don't know who they are. And I remember all the classic rock magazines were like, what's the deal with this new band, Imagine Dragons? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, as we were saying, if you go back to when they put their first music out, 
2009. That's best part of like eight years into their career, essentially, 2000, yeah, yeah. Uh, 2017. Yeah. And they're talking about them like they've literally just appeared and this is the overnight sort of... When when you break an artist and then they're mm. suddenly much more popular than there was, and particularly you'll have this where, say, an American band will suddenly be popular in England or an English band will suddenly break America like overnight and yeah. it's like, wow, this band is brand new and the band could be going for 15 years and that's the nobody thing, it's, cares. It's new to you, but... Yeah. That's that's it. That's what I'm having with the men. The men have been going for ages. They started in like the early 2000s. But to me, I'm like, well, they're new to me. I've never listened to them. So, yeah, yeah. but I, you know, it's that insinuation that just because they're new to me, they are a new band to everybody. That's how a lot of music press will will do stuff. They'll be like, well, we're X magazine, and we've never heard of them. So they basically didn't exist until now. Now yeah. that we're talking about them. And this is why I think discovering music can be very difficult because a lot of it is trying to wade through the marketing spiel, like the, just the utter nonsense of marketing, right? Because a lot of the time you'll be told, this is the debut album and it's not. And you'll be told, this is how the band originally started 10 years ago and they've had four member changes. And yeah. it's all just smoke and mirrors, lies. Yeah. They're just trying to trick the audience, you know, and then... You know, it's just it's just a marketing machine, and this is the problem with like algorithmic sort of marketing, like with Spotify. You also have like sort of targeted social media advertising, which does my head in. That's the reason why I often like sort of like make a mental list of all the bands advertising at me and go, "Don't like you, don't like you." I recognise your name. I'm not going to like you because you know I think people do not like being advertised to. But then I also find there's there is a catch twenty two to this because you can be you can be ignoring stuff or you can just be, you could have the blinkers on. You're not paying attention. You're like, I know when, when the music is there, I'll find it. Yeah. yeah. I know yeah. I'll find it. We, we recently started listening to Mammoth, uh, yeah. WVH, yeah, or yeah. as anybody might know, Wolfgang Van Halen, the son of Eddie Van Halen. Yeah, and yeah. as massive Van Halen fans, you know, I know Wolfgang can play. I've seen yeah. him play like at the Taylor Hawkins tribute concert. He's yeah, fantastic. Yeah. I didn't realise he was putting that music out. And the thing is, is like like we say, when you look at like say Amazon CD charts or you scroll around on CD stores, you'll see these album covers and you'll never think to listen to them and you'll never read them. Like I saw Mammoth a dozen times. I saw the Crab album cover and I went, oh, who's this band Mammoth? That, that album cover's weird, right? That's what I would look at. And then, obviously, Justin Hawkins talks about Mammoth and I went, oh, that's Mammoth. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's one of those things where I think a lot of the time you have to, even if you're discovering it through somebody else, you have to sort of hear it. And I think a lot of the time with music now, you're only looking at an image and a name and you never actually hear the song being advertised to you. Because a lot of people will have Instagram or whatever on mute. So think, you see the band miming on the music video, but you won't turn the volume up, so you oh, won't yeah, hear it. Yeah, so yeah. you'll see them and you'll make an impression. On that notion of, say, like, discovering new music through some sort of influencer or catalyst, say, Justin Hawkins' Rise Again, the YouTube channel from Singer from the Darkness, is so good, like, for us. We've yeah. listened to artists that we were flying under our radar because you watch a YouTube video, you go, well, I want to see what he thinks, or I'm bored, I've got 10 minutes to kill, what's he saying on this video? And he'll be describing a song by, say, Mammoth or 
so King Gizzard or, or the Hives, yeah. and you have to actually sit there and watch it. If if you've put it on, sometimes you'll be like, well, I'll, I'll watch the video, and because he's reacting to it, you end up hearing the song, and then you think, oh well, say like with the the Mammoth Wolfgang Van Halen one, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that he was doing that. I just I've not seen the advertisements. I don't follow him on socials, not not out of choice, but just I hadn't actually thought to See, follow I him. do follow him on social. I think I followed him on Twitter, but that doesn't count anymore. No, but the thing is, I never saw him actually talk about Mammoth. I always saw him like arguing with uh, all the people who was Van Halen haters hitting on him. Yeah. And I never actually saw that he was putting out music under Mammoth. I just thought yeah. he was putting it out under Wolfgang Van Halen, well, and obviously. And he was in Tremonti briefly, and he was I also didn't. in Van Halen. But I was like, well... I didn't know that he was... Because there's a difference between playing in somebody else's band and yeah. being your own band. Yeah, yeah. And so with Mammoth, like, if you like Van Halen, when you listen to it, it's almost... It is almost like a regenerated Van Halen because it's it's relevant now, but the, the tap-in and the skill set is there. Yeah. But the songwriting... It's coming from good. a completely different place, isn't it? Like, yeah. Musically. Like, it's not, every song isn't jump or anything like that. Like, the songs are well-crafted and well-written, but the, like, when you like a bit of guitar work, you know, yeah, we, yeah. we love a bit of a bit of shredding, a yeah, bit yeah. of, like, indulging in, in guitar solos. And you get that, you get that, but it's not, it doesn't sound, like, dated yeah. already. Yeah. And that's, that's what was so refreshing with Mammoth. Yeah, because, like, with Distance, it's like a continuation of, like where that style of music was going yeah and the, we always talk about like there's this pocket like in the mid 90s where a lot of the say 80s rock bands was just trying to get through grunge and some of them got into like say like nine um van halen's balance came out in 95 which is like right in that smack bang in the middle of grunge right and yeah. they've stripped down their production yeah they don't really know where this is going and that was the last album with sammy hager and and that's as far as they could get because Van Halen 3 with Gary Sharon, I didn't really hear, but it sort of even more stripped down, but that, that just didn't take off. Yeah. So and then sort of a lot stopped. of the time, once they reform, they go to a de facto sound, don't they? Yeah, they go Often. they go to like golden era sort of like style and they don't try and push the boundaries as much. Yeah. But um, like you say, you, you hear this like pocket of music where it's like slightly underproduced in like the actual tone, like you don't have your cannon shot snares and all that. But and then sort of like distance and stuff hits that that sort of thing where it's sort of like a continuation of where that sound was going. Obviously, it, it's a weird one to describe because you know that full sort of popular culture just sort of like got sliced. It by did. A knife it just got and it, it got just destroyed. Did not continue. Yeah. Almost every band who was like an eighties rock band just 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 stopped. And if they didn't stop, they had pivoted to different genres, like, yeah. say, Def Leppard and Bon Jovi. They wasn't really doing... They turned 80s. into pop bands, didn't they? Yeah, they, well, they just turned... They, they just stripped it right back. Survival, more than anything else. Yeah. So, like I say, but, but like, in that instance, like, for Bon Jovi and Def Leppard, it sort of played off more so for Bon Jovi than Def Leppard, but that's where a lot of people's hits of Bon Jovi come in like yeah my you know like where i think of bon jovi i think of 2000s bon jovi over 80s bon yeah. jovi yeah yeah a bit like u2 i always yeah. think of u2 as like a 2000s band because yeah. it's hard to believe like some people are like well u2 started in the 1980s and you go how yeah they're out, they're out now i thought like you look at them and and you know age is hard to detect when you you know 
when you're younger, sometimes, especially with famous people, yeah, but yeah. also the, it doesn't matter how old they look, that could have still been the first album. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the other thing. I mean, it's like C6 Steve and people like yeah. that, you know, some people are older when they do the debut albums. Or when they break... Or, or some of the time, they may have been in an old project and then they're going solo or they've started yeah. a new band, so it's still a debut album of some kind. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like, battling between adverts and then algorithmic sort of suggestions, you can you can have your guards up, right, for discovering new music, and or you cannot. And I think sometimes people who don't really care about how they discover the music Probably are a lot happier. more music. Yeah, and they'll yeah. they'll just be like, yeah, I found another song on the radio, or whatever, you know. And then you, I suppose you have like music fans, like like hardcore music fans, who maybe be a little bit more like, oh no, but I'm not being got by this one, you know what well, I mean? There's two arguments to to the way people consume music because you physically it doesn't matter what you think, you cannot listen to everything. There's no, you can't too even, much music. You can't like everything. So some people do have that selective mentality where it's, well, I'm only going to listen to absolutely amazing tracks. But again, we talked about this one of the other episodes. That is all subjective and preference. Yeah. So you may, for you, an amazing track may be a, a key. You might like a certain key. You might like a certain sound design. A certain chord progression. Yeah. You may a, tick the box. You might like a certain like culture or story or, or development in, in music. And that's that's what will be your. This is cool. I mean, sometimes, as as we say, Mike, it's down to intervals in songs. Like like some songs may go, land on like a suspended second, yeah, yeah, and before it goes back to the tonic and stuff. And that might be the thing that grabs you because yeah, it's yeah. a slightly unusual device sometimes. Yeah. Or some days you'll listen to the same song you've heard about twenty times and go, "I actually like this." Song yeah, actually, today. this is decent. Now. I've changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. So. There's a little bit of like that angle to it. I think you have to be willing to accept that you like something. And I think a lot of people, even if they actually do like it, this is where guilty pleasures exist, right? A lot of people actually like songs that they say they don't like and they're just sort of pretending basically to like it. And it's like you say, that's why people love like like guilty pleasure playlists because it's like oh well I don't like these songs but I'm putting this guilty pleasure playlist on because you know I like them really I like them really you know yeah. uh, and it's a bit like the the sort of clip of Terry Crews singing along to Carly Rae Jepsen on on oh no is it, it is Carly Rae Jepsen isn't it on that movie I'm just trying to think it might not um, be. it's the piano one I it's think the I piano always, one I think we think it's Carly Rae yeah, Jepsen it's not it it's not it's the piano one it's making my way downtown you know I can't remember who sings it though I can't it's, remember I who think sings it's, it well, I, I thought it was a newish song because yeah. it gotten so popular in like the when when was that then? Well, the 2010s? Just, yeah, it was just memed, wasn't it, as but well? I think it just got memed, and your brain goes, well, it must be somebody I know. And a lot of the time... It, I, <laughs> I think it just always makes me think of early Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah. So that's yeah, why yeah. I always think it is. And also, you, you just it's been played to death as well. But um, it's like that sort of thing where I think a lot of people feel like they should have to listen to a certain style of music because I think for a lot, a lot of people, they don't want to listen to what people don't think they should be listening to well i think it's one thing that defines you and your personality is what music you listen to and for some people that's like a good chunk of their like their brand their personal brand and so if you turn around and say well actually i'm listening to all this bubblegum pop people might especially if you're in like a 
a group where people are very into music and it's it's very like say alternative or heavy or dance focused if you're like well i love bubblegum pop you might not feel as cool as you would have yeah, done yeah, if you was yeah. like i'm into um ambient techno yeah, and people I, are like oh I listen he knows to two, his stuff i don't know what that is but he knows it's I stuff. listen to 2000s math rock yeah you know yeah 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 you've never heard I'm of into, it um what was it uh, West is it uh, Midwest emo? Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to remember which part of America it is. But yeah, um, do you think it's easy to discover mu- new music? Let us know when we do the poll at the end of today's episode. And you know, and what criteria are you looking for a band to meet or, or an artist to meet? Like, if you're into dance music, is is there something where the track has to hit so hard, otherwise you don't give it the time of day? Yeah. Like, because that's a big thing with dance music, isn't it? The drop has to hit. It like has a to brick. hit hard, and and you know, some people react to literally the frequencies in a mix. It's like if yeah. the, if there isn't enough sub, it's like it's not getting through. Some yeah. people are very big on tempo as well. People are like, well, it has to be like fast, fast, or this tempo, or. You know, there's so many factors and that's what's so fascinating with music because sometimes it's not necessarily to do with a song. Like sometimes it's the way the song's put together more than the song itself. Yeah. And then for some people, I think this applies to me. I have more of a melodic sensibility. So I go for the the actual song rather than the way it's packaged. Although the way it's packaged definitely influences my opinion. Yeah, it definitely helps. I do prefer stuff... <clears throat> that's packaged a bit more interesting, but ultimately if it hits the notes that I sort of associate with a cool song, I'll probably like it. Yeah. Right. So that's been our thoughts on the main and discovering new music and a few bits just in general about music culture and stuff. So anything else you want to add, Peter, before we uh, leave it? The question I suppose to leave people with is, do you have issue? So say like me finding or me listening to the main, that was primarily because of the associated artists feature on Spotify. Yeah. it just I kept seeing the name and I kept thinking, well, maybe I should try them out because I like this band and this band is always... Um, hovering about your Spotify. The, the main's <laughs> always hovering about, like the strike. And there's a couple, there's a couple that pop up, like you, your Spotify algorithm's like, we know you're you going like to this. this band. Yeah. Is that something, does that put you off or do you trust Spotify? Do you trust the algorithm and say, you know what, it does all the calculations for me, all I have to do is listen? Or do you do what I do, I say, I'm capable of making my own decision, even if that might be putting you off listening to a band that you will really click with immediately? Yeah. Yeah. Right, I've been Mark. And I've been Peter. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs>